Dogs are family, best friends. Dogs offer incredibly rewarding relationships. And as such, we want to keep them as happy and healthy as possible. Very much like us, the human companions, the well-being of a dog is dependent on healthy food and a healthy lifestyle, including appropriate exercise. In this hour, we're discussing the best food for your best friend, diet and lifestyle for optimal pet health. Today on An Organic Conversation, your show on everything that makes life worth living. I'm Helga Helberg. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. There are seemingly endless options when it comes to a dog's life. From kibble to raw food, from duck to beef to salmon, from toys to treats to other goodies that your dog might like. The pet industry is catering to the love we feel for our best friend. How do we choose the best products and find the most ideal diet and lifestyle? And does this change with the aging of our companion? We'll find out today with two nationally renowned experts on the topic. That's what's coming up. But first, as always, here's our week's review. And it's a perfectly appropriate week's review. We were driving back from the mountains recently, and in front of us was a truck. It's a pickup truck, right? And and there was a dog in the back of the pickup truck. He was well secured, and he was just having the time of his life. He was like surfing the wind, and his ears were flying, and he was biting at the bridges. Every time we went under an overpass, he would kind of jump up and nip at the air above him and we realized he was doing it every time we went under a bridge so he created this whole playful game and it was like the most entertaining ride i had ever witnessed yeah it went on for several miles and it was just this one little hop to try to bite the bridge clearly aware that he will never reach it and and that it's a bridge you can't it's not a stick that's flying by but the shadow of the bridge just for a second as the car drove under the underpath was enough to stimulate the dog to do this little hop and then right back into windsurfing. So important to say that he was well secured because otherwise I think dogs in the back of a truck do have some kind of little bad aftertaste or taste with it. If they're not secured, it always makes my heart stop. But this one was really well secured. And it was just so sweet to see that even a drive on a freeway can be that meaningful of an hour. So it reminded me of that innocence that pets have, whether that's a cat that you see napping in the sun or playing with some wool ball or or a dog biting the bridge every time it, it goes under one. There's an element of innocence in nature and in animals that we can observe, and it's such a great reminder that we don't find that in work. It's much, much harder when Mm. we go to work to have a moment like that every day and how important that is to, to keep that playfulness, that innocence that complete freedom to do, you know, to to gestalt, to design that moment the way you want to without any responsibility. It's just really, really sweet. (laughs) Good reminder for us to keep that in our lives as well, however we may 
Thank you, Sita. And yes, how apropos, diet and lifestyle for optimal pet health, which absolutely includes exercise and play and lots of cuddle time, I'm sure. That's our topic in this hour. And we will hear from two experts on what that exactly could look like or means. That and more when we come back right after the break. Stay tuned. Are you a chef, have a catering business, or planning a party, or simply just love organic produce? If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, walk right in to Earl's Organic Produce. Anyone can buy directly from us at wholesale prices. You don't have to be a natural food store to enjoy the freshest and most delicious organic produce. We are located on the San Francisco Produce Market at 2101 Gerald Avenue. We look forward to seeing you. Walk-in hours are Monday through Friday throughout the night from 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. Minimum purchase is one box or flat, cash or checks only. For more information, visit earlsorganic.com. Fry Vineyards is America's first organic winery, family-owned and operated since 1980. Dedicated to the highest levels of organic and biodynamic farming, Fry never adds synthetic sulfites or other preservatives to their wines. Fry organic and biodynamic wines include delicious Cabernet Sauvignon, Zinfandel, Syrah, Chardonnay, and Sauvignon Blanc. Fry Vineyards Mendocino County award-winning wines without added sulfites. Available at grocery stores and online at frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E.com. And we're back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Today we're speaking with an expert, actually two experts, about the pet industry and the most ideal diet for our doggy companions. So pause up. Diet and Lifestyle for Optimal Pet Health, our topic today here on An Organic Conversation. But before we dive into this topic fully, as always, here is Sitarani Palomar, a.k.a. Chef Sita, and her holistic bite. Well, it is officially the return of summer. Well, maybe not officially. I think summer solstice is coming up in just a few days. But that also means it is the return of beachy waves. And I don't just mean waves on the water. I'm talking about coiffure or hairstyle and the fantastic, lovely, wild, beachy look that you can get anytime, whether you visited the ocean or not, with a quick recipe for making your own sea salt hairspray. And I'll tell you, this is good for guys and gals. I know guys who use sea salt hairspray, and this one is so easy to do at home. Here's how you do it. Get a measuring cup and combine one cup of warm water with a tablespoon of sea salt and two tablespoons of aloe vera gel. Then you can add some essential oils. Um, anywhere between five and ten drops will do the trick. And I'm really loving rose geranium right now. It was inspired by a beach hair uh, sea salt spray that I saw on Credo Beauty, a mermaid spray that uses rose geranium. So this is what I'm using when I make it for myself. Whisking all of these ingredients together in the measuring cup and then pouring it into a spray bottle. And you can spritz this in your hair when it's damp or dry, tossle it with your fingers, and you're ready to go. It's that simple. So happy summer and enjoy the waves. Thank you, Sita. Wow. <laughs> as powerful as summer and as direct. And it sounds like this costs next to nothing. I mean, your ingredient is a tablespoon of sea salt and two tablespoons of aloe vera gel. I mean, it really it costs next to nothing. You can buy nice. beach spray. And I do enjoy buying beach spray occasionally. I love the aromas. And they do, you know, the people who make them, who have experience making these products, oftentimes will have good conditioners in them. And you could add conditioner to this Almost as well. Almost sounds like beach. Yes, like smells beach. like smells like beach. Oh yeah, yeah, the ones 
that'll have coconut scent and, and various other things. But it's also really simple to make, and it's something you can do on the go if you're traveling. And, and if, you can add coconut scent to it, right? If absolutely. You wanted to use yeah, I mean, you can't buy – there. there isn't such thing as coconut essential oil. But you can get fragrance oils that are very, very minimally – minimally processed. So um, you can get that enjoyable summertime scent. Great. Thank you, Sita. Sita Rani Palomar and her holistic bite. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. Diet and lifestyle for optimal pet health, our topic in this hour. And now with us is Dr. Jean Dodds, veterinarian and co-author of Canine Nutrigenomics, the new science of feeding your dog for optimum health. She's also the founder of Hemopet, a canine blood bank located in Garden Grove, California, and the author of The Canine Thyroid Epidemic. And also, we are joined by Diana Lavender, pet nutritionist and the co-author of the same book, Canine Nutrigenomics petfooddiva.com, the website, who's joining us today from Delray Beach, Florida. And actually, Dr. Dodds is joining us all the way from Venice, Italy. Do we have both of you on the show right now? Hello there, yes. Hello, (laughs) welcome. That is great. It's an international (laughs) show and it's international guests. Uh, Just to start with that, Dr. Dodds, what are you doing in Venice? Is it professional or is it personal travels? Well, it's both. Uh, We have a small apartment here we've had for over 25 years, and we spend the spring and fall here, but we do a lot of work in Europe um, and the British Isles as well. So it's sort of an international program that we run. Wonderful. Well, thank you for making time. I'm sure there are other things to do in in Venice, Italy (laughs) right now, but it's great to have you. And the topic of the health for our best friends, for our dogs, uh, is such an important one that we're really honored to have both of you on the show. So, Dr. Dodds, let's start with you. It, this topic is so close to all of our hearts. We talk about our pets on, on air all the time. And in the last few years, not only with our own pets, but also with our friends' dogs, we've experienced more instances of pet disease than in all the years prior that we can recall. And I'd love to hear from your perspective what you think contributes to this. Are these genetic predispositions? Are there environmental factors? What What is causing the, the kind of rampant pet disease that we are just aware or, or of Or is right that now. better research only and uh, dogs no, no, were they, always as, <laughs> as sick so, and we didn't know? That's a very good question. And Diana and I have written two books together, uh, the first one on the thyroid epidemic, as you mentioned, and this, this recent one on canine nutrigenomics. And basically, you really shouldn't separate, I don't believe, what pets encounter today from what people are encountering at the same time. And pets are like the canary in the mine. I mean, it's horrible to say that that they're a sentinel for what's going on in our own environment. And yes, genetics makes up some predisposition uh, to these chronic diseases. But you know, the genes are only 2% of your genome, whether you're a dog, a cat, or a person. And 98% of the genome controls what the genes do. And so it's epigenetic factors, environmental factors, that control gene expression. And so having the predisposition genetically doesn't really mean anything clinically unless it's expressed. So the question is, how can we prevent these diseases from being expressed and causing harm as opposed to just being hidden and protected by such things as a healthy diet, proper nutrition, proper sleep, and and avoiding environmental toxins? 
And so I want to emphasize that there is a genetic predisposition, absolutely, for these other factors to trigger a reaction. Otherwise, every individual would be sick. And basically, dis-ease, like dysfunction, means chronic inflammation. And chronic inflammation leads to all kinds of diseases, even cancer. And one of the things you might not have thought about is obesity or being overweight is a chronic inflammatory process. Mm, sure, and yes. As more, yes yeah. And as more and more people and more and more pets become overweight, especially when they're younger, that leads to all kinds of chronic diseases when they're older, including arthritis, as you can imagine, um, inflammatory bowel disease and whatever. Yeah, interesting. So, we, we had shows in the past, of course, on the human equivalent of different various different diets that we discussed. And inflammation was one of the issues. It's amazing that if you don't stop the inflammation in the body, you will not be able to create optimal health because everything is challenged by it. You're saying that's exactly true for, for canines or for pets too? I understand. Canines, felines, horses, other companion animals, wild animals, whatever. The point is I'm trying to emphasize that it's exactly the same thing in ourselves. So if we can control these issues ourselves, we can adapt them and apply them to the companions that we share our lives with, and that will have everybody be healthier and live longer. What are the major environmental factors? Well, as we deplete the ozone layer, you clearly know that we're having more and more pesticides and herbicides and other things exposed all the time. And remember, the dog or the cat doesn't wear shoes. They sniff grasses and herbs and places where uh, bushes where herbicides and pesticides have been applied. Um, you clean the carpet but the animal's lying on it. I mean, we don't normally sniff grass and sniff bushes and sniff a carpet, mm. but the animals are. And so they're getting exposed to all kinds of things. Think about secondhand smoke. I mean, we worry about those humans that have the genetic predisposition, God forbid, to smoke-induced uh, lung cancer. But the animals have the same thing, and they're exposed as well. Yeah. Diana, we were, we were first drawn to your work because of your delicious do-it-yourself <laughs> dog food recipes. And of course, nutrition is a key factor. You're, we are exposed to this environment that we live in and we can be conscious about it and maybe we can buy non-toxic carpet, try to avoid pesticides and herbicides in our own gardens and maybe stimulate the, the park service to not use that in our city parks as well. But really diet is the one thing where every day clean water and diet can have such a huge impact. Let's talk for a moment about uh, the real food facts and, and real life examples that you have seen. What are some uh -huh. of the biggest ahas that when you when you work with your clients that they encounter in your work? Actually, in my experience, you know, the biggest ahas have come when people actually find out the variety of fresh foods that are actually good for their pets. You know, in, in our book that you mentioned, Canine Nutrigenomics, Dr. Dawes and I, you know, we have a breakfast recipe of gluten-free oatmeal, oatmeal with blueberries, coconut oil, and raw honey. And, you know, that's probably not something most people think of, of giving their, their dog, but the bottom line is each one of those components are nutritional powerhouses, you know, and, and it's that type of thing that's aha. You know, there are a lot of wonderful commercial pet food producers out there, and, and commercial pet food is, is certainly um, necessary for, for different reasons, you know, lifestyle reasons. Not everybody can cook for their pets, but... A lot of companies have, have sort of scared people into thinking that food is intended for humans, 
And by food, I mean fresh meat, fruits, and vegetables are intended for humans. And somehow, highly processed products that come out of a bag are nature's intended pet food. And, you know, that, that just really couldn't be further from the truth. Threshold foods are what our pets evolved eating. And it's what, you know, their counterparts in the wild still eat today. I think when we talk about people foods, we have to distinguish between people junk foods and people wholesome fresh foods. You know, I like to say that if you look at a person's health, you can pretty much tell their pet's health. If I eat fresh, wholesome foods and I give some of those to my pet, assuming they're appropriate and not toxic for him, he'll benefit. But if I live on a high-fat, processed, greasy diet devoid of nutrition and I give that to him, he'll be susceptible to the same lifestyle conditions and diseases that people are suffering from that Dr. Dodds just talked about. And it's very, very parallel into what we're seeing today, and we're seeing a parallel increase in obesity in both people and animals and an increase in a lot of chronic health conditions. So I think that's the biggest aha. So if, if people wanted to engage in, in that conversation and get away from, you know, all a dog needs is some animal protein, and if the dog eats some grass, that they should basically be covered in their dietary profile. What I hear from you is, especially with honey, which was a big surprise to me, that that's kind of the superfood for dogs. How would people navigate this? Does it need to be cooked versus raw? What's the right proportion? Are you still advocating for a protein-rich or mainly meat-based diet and you supplement with cooked vegetables? Or how do people get into changing the diet? And can you do it within a few days? or does it need a bit different transition? Let me just jump in and make a comment about raw honey, and Diana knows this as well. You shouldn't give it to babies, and you shouldn't give it to puppies and kittens because raw honey is potentially dangerous unless you're older. Great point, yes. It shouldn't be given to children or under a year old or puppies, but there is a potential uh, problem there that doesn't affect adults, so yes. Um, so regarding, regarding your question There are a lot of different answers to give to that question. I think there are, there are a lot of questions involved in that. People should understand, and I think that a lot of people don't understand, that you can incorporate fresh foods into a commercial diet quite easily. And I think, you know, and Dr. Dodds will probably want to jump in on this as well. You know, a lot of people don't know that when they have a food that is complete and balanced, okay, which, you know, we have the AFCO, Association of American Feed Control Officials, that regulates or, or sets guidelines, I should say, for pet food. When a commercial food meets those nutritional guidelines for individual nutrients, say calcium, vitamin D, they're not just meeting those guidelines at 100%. As a matter of fact, I have a friend who, who is also an author and, and did a study of his own survey, which showed that most of these companies are providing anywhere between 200% up to 500, 600% of the nutrients that a, a, a dog needs during the day. So even if you substituted half of the commercial food for a fresh, for some fresh food, you still wouldn't need any additional supplementation. Your pet would still be receiving the supplementation necessary from the commercial food. Sure. But you could really kick up that nutrient content and in the variety with fresh fruits, meats, and vegetables. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helbert. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Diet and lifestyle for optimal pet health, our topic in this hour. And with us today is Dr. Jean Dodds and Diana 
Lavender, co-authors of the book Canine Nutrigenomics, The New Science of Feeding Your Dog for Optimum Health. We will talk more about optimal diet in just a minute when we come back. Stay tuned for more. Are you interested in making healthy food your profession? Bowman College is a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Their professional training programs prepare individuals for successful careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Study at one of four locations in California and Colorado or learn from home in a self-paced mentor distance learning program. Find out more about their classes on holistic nutrition and culinary arts at bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. Produce is ever-changing, seasons coming and going. At Earl's Organic, we have been sourcing solely organic produce for over 20 years. Since 1988, Earl's Organic Produce has been establishing strong relationships with growers and developing a deep understanding of the seasons so you can offer the most delicious organic produce to your customers, staff, and clients year-round. For organic produce, visit Earl's Organic Produce at earlsorganic.com. That's earlsorganic.com. And we're back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Our topic in this hour is diet and lifestyle for optimal pet health. We're looking at our canine companions in this week's episode. And we have two renowned experts on the topic, Dr. Jean Dodds, veterinarian, and Diana Lavador, both the co-authors of two books, Canine Nutrigenomics, The New Science of Feeding Your Dog for Optimum Health, as well as The Canine Thyroid Epidemic. Thanks again for joining us today. Diana, one thing that I really appreciate about what you're saying is that you can do a blend here, which for a lot of people is going to be practical and it's going to be doable for them. I mean, if they're starting with food that they're already purchasing and they're supplementing with things you're talking about, like blueberries and honey, if it's an older and healthier healthier dog and various other fresh fruits and vegetables, this is a good way to be introducing whole foods that are going to be protective for your health. And before we get deeper into the foods that you just have at home, the healthy whole foods that you can add add to your pet's diet. I want to just talk about kibble for a minute, because if we're talking about commercially prepared food that we're using, we want to make sure that we're getting the best source. And what do you recommend to people when they're choosing a commercially made dog food? What should people be looking out for? Sure. So that's an excellent question as well. And, you know, I recently read a study that showed that Kibble makes up about 60% of total pet food uh, sales in the United States. So, you know, while the way kibble is processed doesn't really earn it our highest recommendation nutritionally, I mean, its popularity makes sense because it does offer the advantage of, of convenience and affordability, especially, you know, if you have a large dog or a multiple dog household. But, you know, so it's, it's here. But fortunately, we have some simple tips that, you know, and we cover this uh, in our book as well that will make a huge difference in the quality of the kibble you select. So here, I'm just going to run through a few of these and feel free to interject. Number one, you know, make sure the first few ingredients come from high-quality animal protein sources and not grain-based or soy-based sources. Animal protein is what dogs and cats need. So, for example, a good combination in a kibble might be the first ingredient is, say, boneless chicken, and the second ingredient is 
chicken meal. But the first ingredient should be a whole meat source. And, and why chicken meal? Because whole fresh meat has a lot of water content, and pet foods are done by, by weight. So if you don't have the meal, which has water removed and is a concentrated protein source, then in reality, you have more grain than you have protein. So the second tip would be to avoid foods where the first five ingredients come from soy or grain because this indicates that a food relies on inferior quality protein. So this goes hand in hand with the first tip. The third would be make sure that the animal protein is named. Make sure that it's lamb or chicken and not meat. You know, it can say on a label, it could say meat meal or animal meal, but you want to avoid products that use generic words like that because then you don't know what type of animal is being used. And I hate to say it, but there can be some unsavory um, things going Mm -hmm. on. Sure. You can have a food sensitivity, Diana, if you don't know what meat it is. That's true. That's right. You have to, and, and unfortunately they've discovered um, and that, that actually there are oftentimes um, proteins included in pet foods that even if it's not named on the label, the food contains right. the protein. But that's sort of a whole different interview, I think. So beyond um, the protein, so, what are the other things that you want to look for in these ingredients list? So you want, and the reason we concentrate a lot on protein is because it is the most important nutrient for dogs. But, but here's a way to sort of sum this up. I like to say that if you would see these ingredients in a farmer's market, consider purchasing it. But if they look more like something you would see in a laboratory, move on to another food. You know, you should be able to understand what the food is in, in, on, the, on the label. You should be able to pronounce it. <laughs> you should be able to know what it is. You should have fresh sources of fruits and vegetables. So you, you should see ingredients such as carrots and spinach. And, and things like that. And so that's, that's a major one. And then also, you know, avoid unnecessary chemicals. These foods don't need, nor do our pets care about, dyes and artificial flavors. Opt for natural preservatives like vitamin C and E instead of um, potentially carcinogenic ones like BHA and BHT. So try to keep it as natural as possible. Um, you know, that's, that would be my major, major tips. And, and protein is really important, so pay sure, attention to absolutely. that. Sure, absolutely. Dr. Dodds, to, to add from a vegetarian, uh, veterinarian <laughs> perspective, vegetarian, veterinarian, when we talk about vegetables for dogs, can you add to that? Would you always consider cooking them, or would it be okay to add raw spinach, for example, to a dog's diet? Or how, how would somebody start who listens to the show and who has kibble that is decent and they just want to add a little bit of a fresh aspect to the dog's diet? How do you start? Well, as a veterinarian who's also a vegetarian, I'll answer that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I knew that. See? Yes. <laughs> we need green leafy vegetables and yellow-orange vegetables. Their color is really important, uh, different varieties because of what's in there. And we should feed it at least three times a week. If they're fed lightly steamed, that's fine. You can even use frozen and lightly steam it. Or you can do it raw. If you do veggies that are raw, they have to be chopped because the dog does not digest cellulose very easily. If you give them a whole carrot, for example, you'll see evidence of the carrot at the other end. And just to add to what Diana said, two more points. We don't want GMO corn, absolutely not. And, and most corn has some GMO in it. And we want to avoid things like glutens that could be in oatmeal. So we want gluten-free foods. 
And finally, Diana, as we've said extensively in our book, we want carbohydrates that have do not have a high glycemic index. In other words, refined sugars, refined flours. So, Absolutely. so raw vegetables mm -hmm. are okay or raw spinach, Absolutely. it's fine to just chop it up a little bit and mix it under. And when you talk But, about low glycemic index carbohydrates, are you talking about things like sweet potatoes? Yes, sweet potatoes are fine. You can use pumpkin as a source of fiber. We mm. like that. Mm -hmm. Diana, Mostly, for instance, corn. Thing, you know, when we talk about the... Actually, people can go online and look up the term glycemic index, and we'll actually show them what foods raise blood sugar levels more right. and faster than other foods. So We're almost out of time, but I do want to dive into the non-food aspect. Dr. Dodds, exercise-wise, intelligence, being stimulated, play, Can you give us an overview of what's really important for really almost all breeds equally? All, all animals should exercise just like we do. It's very good for your endorphins. It stimulates your metabolism. It's excellent. And along with the exercise, we have to have enough sleep, remember. And playing with your animals is really important. Environmental enrichment. Think about the laboratory animal that is beautifully cared for in a stainless steel one or stainless steel cage. They have no texture or things to feel that simulate their natural environment. Those animals are deprived of environmental enrichment. So we need to do that. We need to provide them with things to play with, playtime just like you would with a child. And so when we talk about intelligence, I know that is um, a, a topic for both of you to stimulate their brain function. What would that, what would that look like? What's good play? Just playing with a Kong, for example. You can, you can put a, uh, animals get distracted by things like that, music. Uh, you can put a treat inside a Kong and let an animal play with that, try to get it out. If you're not there, for example, people that leave their animals at home while they go to work need to keep their animals constantly entertained. And sometimes music and television or things like that or videos are really important. Um, they may not know what they're looking at, but they're distracted and they're watching. And also you can play a video with your own voice, oh, which tells the animal that you're still there in some form. That's very interesting. Thank you for, for getting outside of the food discussion and other ways that we can keep our pets healthy. And Diana, there was one other thing that I wanted to ask you, and it's something that we've seen in the book and, and has been really interesting about supplementation when you put your dog's meal together. We know that you know, dogs that have cancer have different needs, and, and you can find more information about how to create the right balanced diet depending on what it is that your dog um, needs to support its system. But You talk about certain supplements that are helpful to put into dog's food if you're making your dog's food on your own, things like probiotics or omega-3s. Can you break that down for us? What do you think are the most essential things to add to the, to the food that you're preparing for your animal to make sure that it's complete and supporting their health? Sure. So, so there are two aspects to that. One, and, and, and I know, and I'll answer this as quickly as possible. One, one are what you absolutely need to meet nutrient requirements, and the other's are, if you will, optional, but really not optional to health. So to, in a homemade diet, to meet nutritional requirements, you will absolutely need a separate calcium supplement. It cannot be a calcium supplement that's part of a multivitamin. So you will need a separate calcium supplement because dogs just require much more than people do. And you will require some form of 
excellent quality um, multivitamin mineral supplement to make sure that um, things like zinc and selenium and vitamin D are provided uh, at, at adequate levels. You will also want to give them uh, a good quality omega-3 fatty acid supplement. Uh, we recommend uh, in the form of fish oil, such as a small fish, such as sardines or anchovies that do not have the levels of mercury that larger fish have, and that will provide them with the essential omega-3 fatty acids that they need. And then we love probiotics because probiotics, you know, we talk about how the, the root of disease is inflammation, and probiotics, they not only stimulate better digestion, but 70% of your body's immune system is, is in your gut. So good quality probiotics will decrease inflammation, will improve and, and enhance uh, digestion and absorption of nutrients, and just have, have a whole host of, of benefits to dogs. So that's what I would think. Um, and I'll let, I'll let Jean, uh, you know, add to that if she wants. Well, all the antioxidants like curcumin or turmeric. Mm -hmm. Well, I feel far more empowered. I've, it's always been um, a gray zone where I felt like if I were to prepare food for my own pet, that I would be missing some really essential nutrients. If I mean, I, we, we eat really well. We eat a lot of fresh fruits and vegetables. We eat a balanced diet. But not knowing exactly what they need to support their unique systems has always discouraged me. And, and with this information, I feel like they're – and, of course, by going and looking at the book, I, I really do feel empowered to do this. And, and it's important. Important because our animals are they're as susceptible to the diseases that are occurring in, in human beings and it just takes some intention and mindfulness in order to make sure that they're they're healthy and happy and can be with us for many many years yes and I want to end on an even higher note just quickly dr. Dodds what's your recommendation for cuddle time <laughs> cuddle time as much as possible <laughs> <laughs> but like in, I know it's a stress relief and it's a pack animal what is what should not be undercut half an hour hour you need to gentle your your emotions and you need to slow down your physiological heart rate by hugging and loving an animal absolutely and I would say play with them and hug them half an hour minimum I would hope longer than that if we can <laughs> yeah I don't think it's a problem for most dog owners to get there but <laughs> just to to, to re-emphasize how important that is Diana how is that for you what's your what's your gut on how oh, much my, my guy's next to me right now he is <laughs> hugged and cuddled continuously and you know regarding mental enrichment he's i don't know exactly but minimum 14 and a half years old he's a belgian shepherd mix and last year i i taught him a, a, a specific set of tricks for a for a um coursework i was doing and i continue to teach him new things all the time He might not be able to run an obstacle course now, not that he ever wanted to, but he, his brain is, is active and alive, and, and, and that's so important. Yeah, that sedative lifestyle that doesn't work for us certainly doesn't work for our best friends, um, and I have a Belgian Shepherd too. Timber says hello to yours. So that oh, is a beautiful wrap-up <laughs> of the hour. Thank you both for making the time and for, for the effort of joining us all the way from Venice, Italy, and from Florida. A pleasure to talk to you, and thanks for shedding light on this really complex topic. Our pleasure. Thank, Thank you. Take care. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
wow, so much information. And mm. really, I feel much clearer about how to uh, even further improve Timber's diet, nice, and produce. Interesting how, of course, lifestyle and a clean diet, not that it's the same species as us, but it is parallel. You know, health health is defined by an optimal diet and by a clean, healthy lifestyle. And that's true for any living being. Well, and I think that the recommendation to do something like add blueberries or add some steamed spinach, that's really something that anybody can do. Right. You don't need to spend eight hours a day and mm. lots of money every week on cooking for your dog every day. It's mm -hmm. just not necessary. You can start by, yeah, just doing that. Supplementing Just some with blueberries and some mm -hmm. little bit of handful of spinach mixed into the kibble. Timber would love some blueberries, oh, wouldn't yeah. he? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was all, all ears. Paws up. He, said, <laughs> he gave me four. And what a great transition. Produce is where we are staying. We're switching from best food for your best friend, diet and lifestyle for optimal pet health, and our on what an optimal canine life would look like to what an optimal human life would look like, at least in part, fresh produce. Here is What's in Season. And with us now is the voice of the San Francisco produce market, the voice of the organic movement as well, Mr. Produce, Mr. Earl Herrick. Earl, are you with us? Hello, Helga. Hi. <laughs> hey there, Earl. Uh, good to hear your voice, Sita. Hello to you both. Hello. Yes. Oh, wow. We, we talked about stone fruit last week, and as if you had lifted a veil off my eyes, with summer mm. is here, the, the mm, produce yes. is just amazing. <laughs> and I'm, I'm trying to walk through the produce aisle and kind of navigate it seems like produce is coming closer to the San Francisco Bay Area where this show is produced. And mm -hmm. I want to buy as locally as possible. Uh, but, wow, there's a lot going on in terms of, of items and in terms of signage. And why well, don't and we talk we about that? Start. Can you yeah, I mean, we're always us? talking about organic produce here on the show. But let's, let's talk about how you find this stuff in your retail store. How can you identify if Navigate. the fruit and vegetables that you're buying are organic? Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt about it. It's it's very interesting. You know, uh, several weeks ago, I went to uh, I went to Texas and being back and and seeing differences and and we, obviously, you know, when you're when you're in another environment, you really get sensitized to the oh, changes. Sure. <laughs> and so, so and then coming back, being back here now, just kind of comparing. But and and it's also interesting. Some stores are are known for organic produce, and when you talk to some of the uh, some of the people that shop there, they think everything there is organic. Mm. The fact is, uh -huh. it's very very seldom that everything you're buying is organic. So, in, in one sense, it's great to have that high profile with organic. But yes, you have to be looking at labels. You have to be looking at signage. Definitely, this is a great time to exercise or to establish that relationship with whether it's your produce clerk or people in the store or the person that's checking you out. This is a time to really, really use that relationship, ask questions, because not all signage is good signage. And it, yeah, I just want to follow up on that. It's really true that uh, there are a handful, maybe a couple handful, a few dozen stores throughout the entire country that are advertising to have